You know what my mother used to call me? Dangerous. You're a dangerous girl. She was right. I am dangerous. Hello, everybody, once again, and inexplicably, welcome back to what what the final planned installment of the Neon Demon, the whole movie podcast, the Neon Demon edition, because I feel like I felt like at a certain point, William and Roxanna, that, you know, we would just keep doing this forever. We would just keep <laughs> we would always be as in yeah. some way we always will be talking about Neon Demon, but it just seemed like we would always be talking about it together. So I think what you're saying is we're all Ruby scoping we out new models. We are all Ruby. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Gross. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Sorry, Ruby. I'm sorry it didn't go the way you wanted. I'm sorry. It yeah. really, like, it... Well, okay, because this is... So on the last episode, we talked through I'm a Dangerous Girl. We talked through, like, Jesse. I think it was, I think it was Roxana who tremendously pointed out that Jesse uh, thinks she's a god and um, Ruby knows that she is in fact an offering, which is Mm -hmm. just such a perfect summation of truly the whole tension of this movie and the beauty industrial complex. And um, so we talked through that and now we, we have, we're arriving like at the last leg, which could really well be summed up in um, Abby Lee saying, I ate a, Yes. When when asked yes. about a, a girl, she a girl she knew, and uh, so we are we are arriving now. We've had the the consuming, we've had the murder, we've had the consumption, and now we arrive at the aftermath of uh, the two models of Gigi and Sarah and Ruby all together dining on Jesse and uh, uh, sensually cleaning themselves, cleaning her viscera off their bodies, and now the impact of that the the what next and i think it is uh good to point out that for this one in the commentary roxana if if you hadn't watched this one yet refin says that he always considered uh ruby to be a witch and for the wit for the for the models to be like her sort of demon minions and the idea was always that that in my mind that Jenna Malone was like the witch, and this was her henchmen. Like, like these were her mm. creatures. Mm-hmm. That's why they're completely non-sexual. Mm. Which is, I'm glad I've only watched this in pieces, and that I didn't know this yet. Like, I've, I, it's been unveiled to me as we've gone on through these episodes, and that that is in part that is part of why uh, neither Gigi nor Sarah really seems to have an apparent sexuality because they're like these sort of demon vessels and i i and now we see the witch and her sort of demon minions um they've 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 consumed the pureness of jesse they've consumed the it girl and now they their bodies will react accordingly to that 
I'm so fascinated by that description because, okay, so then are we to assume that Ruby made them into demons? That's or, a good question. Or, like, did Ruby summon demons from hell and was just like, go be a supermodel? You know, like, <laughs> I, like I'm very, I'm so fascinated by that. And I think, you know, I think we might have talked about this previously in another episode but like we sort of talked about how they act a little bit like her familiars so that's yeah. not yeah. yeah that's not an out of bounds um sort of comparison no i don't think so but i i almost push back against it because like the two of them do have opinions and identities mm-hmm. and like agency of their own so it is sort of interesting to think of them as quote unquote like demons mm-hmm. um because there is depth to them I, I don't see them necessarily as like one dimensional followers of what ruby wants them to do there's mm-hmm. more to each of them than that and i i agree and and i think it's uh that's why i think it's kind of like um like, you know, it's, like, this idea of kind of, like, Ruby is, like, this vampire who just, like, this ageless, yeah. like, non-model professional involved in the industry. Like, how many Gigi's and Sarah's have there been? Like, right, how right. how many how many routines has, how many cycles has she gone through where she has these, these kinds of familiars with her? Like, what iteration of this routine are Gigi and Sarah? And, like, what I, like, it makes you, it makes me wonder so much about, like, who they were before she got to them. Yeah. Yeah. Who they were before she found them. And I think we've talked about this a little bit before, too. Like, did she at one time think that they had the potential to be what Jesse really was? And then when that didn't work, they kind of, like, settle into this supplementary role in her life where they they form this, like, this kind of unit, this sort of coven. And, you know, how many supernatural metaphors can we bring in here? And, <laughs> you know, like, what what were they before, like there was kind of this like eh, stick with me kid and they like like they they bound their lives to ruby in some way to become this little triumvirate the amount that he talks about triangles in this last chunk of the movie in the director's commentary roxana because the triangle has all these lines like this it's like the world of the triangle constant like it's coming up over and and the completion of the triangle and the triangle and the this the triangle like he is (laughs) leaning into the triangles in this last segment of director's commentary i have i have two things to say about that one uh i would have literally given half of my life to go back in time and see little baby refin in like a geometry class (laughs) (laughs) just being like oh the triangle oh yeah just like a notebook troublingly covered in with triangles yeah absolutely (laughs) so shout out to that um but the other thing that's interesting about that and talking about the completion of the triangle is it's like but the triangle's already complete right Mm -hmm. i mean like ruby like there are three of them already yeah so what's interesting to me about this idea of the triangle being completed is like i see 
<laughs> I see baby fanning in the mm -hmm. center of the triangle yeah. and right. them converging upon her. Yeah. But I don't see her as a point in the triangle. So it's interesting to see, to have this description of like, the triangle comes to fruition or whatever, because like she doesn't become part of it, right? She's consumed by it. And I see it as something like almost like a like a, a equivalent of like calling the corners where mm -hmm. like but but instead of four of them, it's the three. And mm -hmm. when they like like they 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 channel the power of, of Jesse, like once they have sort of like the thing that they she's not meant to be part of the, sh the, the diagram, but what they have together, she's like their final key to unlocking this thing that they perhaps need all of them to accomplish, like to to fully see to its to its conclusion mm -hmm. absolutely it's like it's like there's the triangle there but it's empty and mm -hmm. she comes and fills it in right um, and then you have a complete um mass that's yeah. there as opposed to just the lines on the side um and i think it's really interesting uh you know that the addition of Gigi and sarah as familiars or demons mm -hmm. um is really just uh ruby gaining power i think is exactly what you were saying that she um, has this cycle and she probably has done this numerous times. Um, and I think that each of their Ruby, Sarah and Gigi's relationship with the neon demon mm -hmm. um, and with each other dictates um, the outcome that they have. Cause they each have a very yeah. different outcome with yeah. this consuming of Jesse. Um, and it, I, we have to get into those theories. <laughs> yeah. So like the first like so when once the eating has happened and the and, and, and Refn did make a note about like the the uh, shower scene afterwards, he or in the, the Ruby in the bathtub, he uh, once she got in the tub, he just like threw glitter at her. So that's why she's sparkly, which makes complete sense. And he and and Elle's like, you know, adorable Elle Fanning is watching this being like, and Ruby never blinks. Like, and, she, <laughs> and the I, I feel like at this point, like it feels almost like Refn is taking a victory lap at this point in the commentary because the amount of times he says like god damn it just like how good someone is he was like god damn jenna malone god damn she's good like when ruby <laughs> takes her glasses off it, or when uh when sarah takes her 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 aviator shades off in like the the house in malibu where they're doing the photo shoot he just goes look at those goddamn eyes like he's just <laughs> at this point thrilled and he's talking about how i i thought this was this applied to something that we we brought up earlier in the pod which was the outcome of ruby mm -hmm. and whether or not she lived or dies and i think he settles that in when he says that he changed the ending from what he originally intended which he said because you know i came up with this like the moon moment like ruby's in maybe her apartment maybe another just place she haunts in his house setting mm -hmm. and is like looking through these large windows out at the moon and then she strips off all of her clothes and like lays in the moonlight and then the blood comes pouring from her body and she seems very prepared for this she seems to know exactly what's coming she's prepared for it and he says he changed it because she was supposed to have died but oh, okay. instead he came up with this ending and went to Jenna Malone and was like okay how would you feel about like you're naked, you're in the moonlight, you're like praying to the moon and I'm going to come up and film from between your legs. And she was like, yeah, sure. And, <laughs> and so all of the, all of the, 
<laughs> I don't want to get too like um, grotesque, but I just okay. The amount of liquid that comes Hold out. Hold on. Her where where is else but here, William? Where yeah, yeah. Here? I mean, yeah. No, it's the shining elevator doors opening right. up yeah. and blood pouring forth from her body. And I yeah. guess that was all CG. It yeah. was not. Oh. It, they they added all of it, all the liquid, and there was no liquid there when they were actually filming. Um, but it's it's a lot. Um, and on, on first look, it almost feels like she could still be dying. Like that could be a draining of some sort that is not healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) but I think my interpretation is that of the three, um, she's the one that has probably done this numerous times before and knows the routine and it's more of a euphoric when you cut to her face with that blood pouring out. She is she is like in a state of like rejoicing over yeah. this. So it's more of a, a cleansing. Yeah. I think that the cannibalism for her is more of a cleansing ritual mm-hmm. okay. um, where she's kind of like, she's taking in new blood, getting rid of the old blood yeah. um, and kind of like, you know, keeping herself young that way and keeping herself in the industry and keeping herself um, important and powerful mm-hmm. in that regard. Um, so that's definitely a, a positive. I think of the three, she probably has the most comfortable um, outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah has a great outcome too, but yeah. it's not—it's <laughs> not quite the same outcome. <laughs> right? Yeah, and it, it, it's inter- like it makes it makes me wonder, like, it, it, like when that happens, like, is that the sort of completion of the bond with with Sarah and Ruby and Gigi? Like, when that happens, we obviously—I absolutely love. That, like, after we see, like, the moon bath and, like, the blood exiting Ruby's body, that we see uh, Ruby, that we see Sarah and Gigi driving together to a photo shoot. Specifically, we see Sarah driving Gigi, and I just imagine Gigi is, like, not even having a license. Like, I imagine, like, she's never driven. She's always with Sarah. Like, it's like, oh, when they were at the diner that day, Sarah went and picked her up. Or they, they like, live together hanging upside down sleeping, like, they're in coffins or something. Yeah, coffins and, right next to each other. Yeah, That's right next to been, each other. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I love that, like, with this, the way that there's no affection exchanged between these two, but they're always together. Yeah. And to see them driving, to see Sarah, who clearly has so much, like, agony over her obsolescence to see her still like willing to drive Gigi to a job that she can sit in the living room and watch and not be a part of like the way that they're fused together I love that we we see that sort of first thing like they they ate Jesse together the next day they're in the car together they're at the shoot together they have to be together and I just, I love that as, like, a very strange antiseptic pair bonding between the two of them. I I think that, <laughs> I think if they're tied together, I mean, we have sort of seen throughout the whole movie that they sort of hate each other. But yeah, they, they kind of hate each other. They sort of hate each other, but they also can't quit each other yeah. either. Yeah. It is a toxic girl friendship. Yeah, it's a very toxic girl friendship. So I I sort of interpreted that, and this might just be hindsight because of what happens. Mm -hmm. But I always sort of thought that in terms of, like, keep your enemy close. Right. Totally. Like, Mm -hmm. she is both her friend and her enemy. And so I think that, like, 
this is another one of those situations where like the lines are so muddied in mm-hmm. terms of like with Jesse, the question was, are you food or are you sex? And I think for these two women, they're not food or sex to each other, although they are to everybody else. But there's some other weird kind of like parasitic bond. Yeah. And I just, I am very fascinated by that, especially because the two of them are so much more similar than either of them is to Ruby, right? Oh, I yeah. mean, so yeah. if we're taking Reffin's reading, and even if we're just watching the film without Reffin's reading, it's like these two are it, and Ruby yeah. is the outsider almost in a way. So it's just very interesting to me, like you said, that like Ruby has her ritual, mm-hmm. which very clearly I would think is something like somewhat private and intimate that she's potentially yeah. doing in another yeah. stolen home or whatever. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> another like stolen home yeah but like the fact that the two of them this is what's really funny to me the two of them just go to work right yeah like, we haven't even just talked yeah. about like the You're humor right. of that right oh it's yeah like this is such a like okay well like we ate a girl and then we like went to a job you know it's like yeah it's like so they, like we, we we ate a girl then we showered then we went home and slept then we went to work yes so like i love that just like when you take a step back just the very dry humor of that yeah <laughs> it's very it feels funny. like such like it feels so reffin it yes. feels so yeah, reffin yeah. and there's a there when they're when they're in the car the L in the commentary, she's like, why does the, the shot look so different? Why does this look different? And Reffin just goes, it's daylight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was like, it's, it's the true. third daylight shot in the movie. So, well, and, and a thing I, I, I thought was interesting and in like how the echoes are sort of all coming together at the end of the movie. He talks too about like how when Jesse is like about ready to, to be shoved in the pool by Jenna, um, by Ruby, like you see like that, you know, it's where that house sits, like that great cityscape of Los Angeles behind them and how when Ruby's laying in the moonlight, he mentions again how you can see Los Angeles behind her. And this mm-hmm. idea that the city, and he keeps talking, like he talks once or twice. I have to say, I really love shooting in LA. I think it's probably my favorite place to shoot anything in. Because you can do so many things. The weather, and... the, it's just... Yeah, it's just the magic of Los Angeles is so enormous. And you feel that appreciation for the sense of place in this movie. This movie's about that sense of place. And I thought I liked how, like, the idea of the city, that skyline as a character, where it's it's so important to Jesse on, like, walking along the walkway when she's up on that lookout with with um you know creepy pervy fake boyfriend and it's it comes back in the end where she like thinks she's on top of this world and indeed she's about to be eaten alive and so I liked the the callback of bringing sort of LA into it as a place and it being central to the narrative of this film that way there's such a strong sense of where they are yeah um and I love that there's a strong sense of where they are before we get into the weirdness of the end credits yeah so do we we want to talk about the final the final shoot let's go yeah yeah we are because yeah like our 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 like i just imagine them like i imagine them like like again like in coffins in fucking boxes like just like sleeping naked next to each other but not touching just like they're being just like there's somehow these like sheaths like these like 
you know, altered carbon sleeve women who are just <laughs> moving through the world together constantly, like this this twin stars. And they're going to work. Sarah's taking Gigi to the office. And they end up at this, you know, Malibu man's where Jack the Wraith is doing a photo shoot that is meant to be with uh, Gigi and another model girl. But, uh, and and just, oh God, the face, the face of Abby Lee sitting in a room with just her piercing blue eyes yeah. looking longingly out at the photo shoot where she sees her companion and enemy at yet another job she surely wants but doesn't have. And then that's when that's when Sarah realizes that something has changed when she catches the eye of photographer Jack and he straight up fires the other model on the spot and is like and there's that again great comedy refin moment of like the girl gets fired and she's like awkwardly running in those weird clothes out of the shot. Like, <laughs> I love that shot. <laughs> Just situational so comedy. Yes. Yes. And then, and Jack like leaves the photo shoot by the pool and he looks at, he looks at Sarah and he's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, I'm waiting for my friend. And he's like, do you want a job? And she's just, just, she doesn't, I don't think she even says it audibly. She just nods to him slowly and he's like, great. And so then she just goes to Harry makeup and you see, you see that great Abby Lee moment where like her head's kind of been off the couch line, but then she like rests her face back in her hands. Kind of like, like that look that Jesse would get when she would have those little victories yeah, of like, yeah. mm-hmm. <gasps> oh, it's me. Like it's the luck me. of it. Right. It's like, it's, it's so validating. Like mm-hmm. I drove my bitchy fucking friend. <laughs> yeah. And it's me. It's it's L L Woods. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. It's like you see, you you see, like her whole life has led to like any any maybe any sort of agita she had about eating a person. You look at her in that moment, peace of mind gone yeah peace yeah. of mind gone. but meanwhile like while while Gigi's getting prepped for this shoot she looks she looks fucking bad she's in a she looks stressed she is aware that she has eaten a person and that her body is rejecting yeah. what is inside of her like yeah. Sarah's cool as a cucumber and Gigi is about ready to come apart at the seams so this is this is I think their their two different takes have to do with their relationship with the neon demon so far because we've already talked about in a previous uh, episode of the pod how um, Gigi has probably met the neon demon mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the neon demon has probably rejected her already right um, it and feels she's that way. she's doing yeah. all of this um, all of this nip and tucking and changing and trying her best to be what she thinks the neon demon is. But the neon mm-hmm. demon is like, we need something real. You can't, you, after you've <laughs> changed, <laughs> after you've changed yourself like this, um, right. the neon demon kind of isn't looking for you anymore. No. He's, right. he's looking for a Jesse. He's looking for that. You kind of disqualify yourself. You take yourself right, out of the room. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that, that her rejection of this situation of this ritual um, has to do with the neon demon just being like, Mm-mm, it's over. Yeah. That's it for you. It, it's like um, a punishment. It's like a, it, it's, it feels like a punishment yeah. for her having 
um, defiled, really, her body to, like, to make it something artificial. And the payment for trying to steal this pure thing is an all-out, like, physical cellular rejection of what you wanted. It's like it's like she stole the offering from the table for the gods, and the gods are now striking her down. And, like, there was just a fundamental, you know, it almost seemed like she thought she could convince them, right? And I feel like yeah. that's so correct for that character to just have that, like, oh, well, like, they'll see me and they'll like it and, like, it'll be fine. Yeah. You know, and for... <laughs> For the rejection to be so swift, yeah, I think is really a sign in and of itself. And of course, part of this is just like a commentary on fashion, right? Yeah, and like yeah, you're yeah. in, you're out, like all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But like the way that Bella Heathcote sells what's happening to her body is also so well done because she Which just looks Refin calls out he's like he talks about how much she went through it to do because mm-hmm. he just he said that yeah. in the when because she leaves the photo shoot like jack's a total dick to her and he's like you you want to share with the group like you're looking at the right. pool look at the camera and she's looking right. at the pool probably having a fucking flashback to when she just ate a girl in a pool right and but she has to like she's about ready to start heaving and i guess Refin was being like you need to look more sick like things like her she's really massaging her muscles so she was getting sicker and sicker and sicker while we're shooting because she was really because of that saying i need more sickness more sickness so she could not she she had to make herself sick yeah so she is like physically trying to make herself throw up in as an actress and then when she runs off set and goes to that like white room that they they the room is all white and they put in that blue very geometric wallpaper okay of course it's like did. an accent piece yeah. and he once she was in there he filmed her vomiting 25 times yeah <laughs> yeah she had to do that to herself 25 times and was just working herself into a state of like sweaty dry heaving he like because like you see the makeup and she's just like looking a fucking mess and that's real that's real that's real that's that's she put her she went she did she had to do that to herself yeah but she had to give the illusion of so she had to throw up mm-hmm. even though there was nothing to throw up to give the illusion of her vomiting mm-hmm. so she was only you know keeping it in her mouth but she had she had to sell the illusion by throwing up for real, and it, it completely reads on on oh, camera. Oh, like it, yeah. it, it that even does. even before she gets to that room, that the scene where they're at the pool sh- oh. at the shoot um, is so just to watch oh. makes me nauseous. Yeah, um, yeah. There's something about like the heat from the lights that's yeah. there, the way Bella looks, and the fact that she's in front of a pool that and the water is just like flowing. There's something that's just so nauseous about is all of that sweaty too so you yeah. can like feel that it's fucking hot outside yeah. and it just like yeah that like that water almost gives me like a motion sickness kind exactly. of exactly you, you just like you feel it's like being seasick and you just yeah. feel yourself kind of like trapped on the boat and you're like i can't get off the boat and i just feel really sick and awful and that's like just that's watching bella in this sequence oh and i also think like if we're gonna look at this from a character perspective how unsettling must it also be for her? Because they've clearly done this before, right? 
that's the implication we're all taking. Yeah, do we, I, yeah, do, what do we think oh, about wait, that? wait, do we think no? Okay. Because well, I, I don't think, think I think that this have. is, no, exactly. I think this is something okay. that Ruby, Ruby finds, everyone's using everyone else for power, right? Yeah. So Ruby finds um, a couple of other demon girls. Yeah. Um, actually, she finds a couple of other models, and I think that their association with Ruby then turns them into demons, maybe? Um, That's what I think. I think it's kind oh. of like a, a, a... I think it's, like, by virtue of their prolonged right. contact with her, I think something gets siphoned from them. Right. So I think that that they become demons by association with Ruby. Um, whatever sacrifice happens... Um, I don't know if, it, you know, Ruby finding Jesse. I'm not sure if she was actually wanting to replace one of her demons with Jesse. Or if it was uh, this idea that she was going to be the center of the field, the triangle from the beginning. It could have gone, you know, a number of ways. But anyway, everyone's using everyone. Um, so when uh, Gigi and Sarah do this ritual, I think it's their first time. I think it's um, their, I, I always assumed it was their, like, their, their, their one and only go through. One and only go through. That's, yes, one and only. Because when it happens, you either get it or you don't, as we right. see. Um Okay. So Gigi didn't get it. Gigi didn't get it. She I didn't get the go much, through. Okay. I okay. So totally what is yeah? What's your read on this? My read was always that it was before we started the pod because like you guys have put forth brilliant theories. That we I have done amazing work here. Changed what I thought. <laughs> amazing. Like, my my initial read was that like the three of them had been doing this together for a long time, mm-hmm. and maybe not necessarily that they were immortal but that they had probably gone through this routine for a long time before Mm -hmm. and so my read of the rejection was that jesse that it was jesse caused by jesse's like purity beauty innocence whatever and that the shock of that moment for Gigi was that she'd done this before and it had been fine Mm. but that this was strange that it was not working for her this time and I sort of also thought that from the line because doesn't she feel she doesn't she say something like I feel her or like I can't yeah she has some like some dialogue about that yeah so I took that to mean like well this never happened with all the other girls but it's interesting that I think you I think both readings play to work on screen yeah i think there's plenty there's plenty there for both it's just how it hits you yeah because i always saw it as like a i always thought of it as like a in the idea that like they're part of a cycle the models are part of a cycle Mm -hmm. like that ruby goes through her husks and like maybe she finds a jesse in that time maybe she doesn't find a jesse in that time because the jessies are rare the jessies are rare Mm -hmm. and so like i saw this as like you know she's arrived at a cycle where they found a jesse they they found that thing and now they can like see and maybe this is something that this is ruby has been able to see this through in the past but not necessarily with these girls right. and there is there's such a sort of there's i feel like Gigi almost has this naivete that said to me that says like because of like there's so much denial around her and her her honestly her arrogance that she could like sew and body shop her way into being something elite when that is absolutely foundationally not true in this world. And so the fact that she participated in that ritual almost makes her sort of like simple. 
And whereas with, I think the fascinating thing, uh, like the, to me, the fundamental difference between Sarah and Gigi and Sarah has never altered herself. Like she is still in her natural state, Abby Lee and my Jesus God. But like <laughs> they see, they see the purpose of what Jesse has as differently. Like, I don't think Gigi fully understands the idea of beauty isn't everything. It's the only thing. She just wants to be pretty. Yeah. And she right. wants the currency that comes with being pretty. Yeah. Whereas Sarah is the one, like, just that, que- like, the question. Watching her in that vulnerable moment on all fours in front of Jesse asking her, like, what's it feel like? Like, you know, people see you. They notice. Do you know how lucky you are? She wants to be seen. She wants to be noticed. She wants to be transcendent. She wants to be a god. Like, Gigi Mm -hmm. wants to be pretty, and Sarah wants to be a god. And so, as such, I think, like, when she consumes Jesse, not only is is her her body pure, and not only does that make her, like, a suitable host for what this thing is, a vessel, it also means that, like, it's like, you know, you know, like... Big Trouble in Little China, like, you have, like, the two women, like, they have to touch the burning blade to be, like, Lopan's brides. But, like, it will incinerate those who are not capable of handling its heat. Like, right. she can handle the heat. She can pass sort of, like, the existential spiritual test right. that is required to pass this because she understands what it truly is to have this privilege, to have this power. And so she is capable of carrying the responsibility of it. And it is it is just to watch her be so in awe of that, like, you know, she watches Gigi cut her own fucking stomach open to, like, ex- to, to excoriate herself practically, to pull Jessie from her body after she vomits an eyeball onto the ground. And watching Abby... I mean, Refn is just like, God damn it, look at her. Like, <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, it's so true. Her standing just like probably at six foot six, at least in those like that whole outfit, which Refn describes as like having like very bondage influence to it. And he does say when she puts on the red skirt that it's the color of the demon. The costumes are not fat. They're not clothes. They're more objectifications of a fetish, mm-hmm. you know, that they're in. Except Abby Lee, because what does she has? She has a red skirt. Neon Demon's true color. It oh! Is the, he, 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 he acknowledges that red is the color yep. of of the demon. Okay. And so, like, she has a she has a, like become the transformation, and um, like that whole silent sequence of Abby just like peeling off her glasses and when she gets down in front of the eye she's physically drooling yeah you like saliva falls down her lips at the idea of eating more jesse yeah yeah and i think i think also what i love about this idea of like the vessel question is if we want to again go back to like how many supernatural references can we work in yeah is like she does say earlier like i'm a ghost right yeah and she needs yeah. to possess a new body yeah whereas, and how and like and like the dead being drawn to the living yeah whereas you do have Gigi, who is the 
bionic woman, right? Yeah. Like she already yeah. exists. So like if you already exist, you can't take on a secondary existence, right? right. So it's like yeah. there's nowhere yeah. else for you to go. There's nowhere mm-hmm. else for you to go. So I also I also love this idea, like William's idea of like Ruby is being purged. There is a bloodletting. There mm-hmm. is new blood. There is a transfusion. I love the idea of like Sarah shifting her essence into like a new kind of host. Mm-hmm. And then I love Gigi. Poor Gigi. <laughs> <laughs> Gigi. She miscalculated the she whole game. Really, she did not figure it out. But <laughs> yeah. I also love just from like a again like a step back and like think about it angle, like who's gonna clean up this photo shoot, right? <laughs> I really thought about that this time because like Abby obviously eats the eye and just yeah. stands up and just walks out of that room. And Abby's so unfazed. It's like yeah, and it is, and like, and the way she and the the trained walk that that is, like, it's just it's like one foot in front of the other watching her just exit that room is a gorgeous experience and then there's like and as um when Elle's Elle's watching it and Abby's like taking off her glass she's like did she did she do the snarl yet like she loves the little lip curl that Abby does that little twitch well and there's that like and and she's drooling at this eyeball and she as Elle points out well observed it just disappears she doesn't even fucking chew it Abby just like seems to whole swallow whatever that gummy is that that eyeball is she just puts it in her mouth and as it goes down it just as Elle says it just disappears yeah just a tear yeah a single tear yeah like she know, like she knows that this is just more power like clearly what's happening to her is not what happened what's happening to sarah like she's weathering this and it's yeah. working and she's got a job out there yeah. and she is arriving and she is taking one last bit of this person and she will consume yeah. anything of her yeah. at this point and just that tear because she knows she knows that it's everything now. She's everything. Like she's about to have all the things that Jesse was promised and that she has dreamed of. And it is in like watching it. Like when you see just like out of in the wide frame, you see just Gigi's like dead body keeled over next to the couch. after she's <laughs> cut her stomach open. It's like fucking Abby is just, Sarah's just doing it. Sarah's just like, I don't give a shit. Right. She's yeah. moved on. She's she's, she's moved on. exactly William. Yeah, <laughs> there's been the, the, the ascension already. Yeah, um, yeah, and I, you know, we talk about how Sarah and Gigi are always together in this movie, um, and and how they're friends, but kind of not friends. Yeah, and yeah, just, yeah, yeah. The mm-hmm. fact mm-hmm. the fact that Sarah is so unfazed. I mean, in this entire scene, she's watching her quote unquote best friend. Yeah, gut herself. And but she's staring at the eyeball the entire time, like yep. no yeah. no kind of um, sympathy, attention, empathy. sympathy, empathy, anything no. for Gigi at all. She's just no. like I mean, she really is focused. And it, it's also interesting that looking at the two of them throughout the movie, I think this might have come up previously on, on the podcast as well. Um, Gigi is so much in denial about <laughs> everything. everything. Um, and and mm-hmm. it and it's so um not being realistic about everything. Yeah. And Sarah is the complete opposite. Sarah's the one that will call you out on your bullshit. Sarah's the one that will just 
completely ask the awkward questions that no one else is going to ask. Brutal um, pragmatism. And, and this mm-hmm. is just, this is so serious for her where it almost feels like Gigi yeah. is playing dress up. Um, yeah. Sarah is in it to win it. Um, this I is think the that's final... huge. I think that idea of like this being cosplay for Gigi yes. and yeah. not understanding the scope of what the power means and Sarah being reverent before it. But well, we get so much with Gigi throughout the movie. Like we get so much dialogue with her, so many scenes with her. And Sarah almost kind of feels like, aside from the I'm a ghost scene and the ghosty, Sarah almost feels like she's in the background a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at the end, she's the one that, that comes full front. It's, Oh, it's just so good. It's so delicious. <laughs> it so is so good. delicious. And I think it works so much in terms of like power dynamics too, because like I think we see Gigi and like her tone and her buoyancy and almost yeah. like her sarcasm. Cause like she's been on top for a while, right? And yeah. I feel like then you have Sarah who is like perhaps impatiently <laughs> been waiting yeah. in the wings, right? Yep. Like I'll be here. I'll drive you to shit. I'll come along to your stupid parties. I'll yeah. do whatever <laughs> because maybe eventually somebody will notice me and yes. I'm paying yeah. my dues. Mm-hmm. And then to just have Jesse waltz in and upend all of that is like such a threat to their natural order mm-hmm. that then shakes up everything. But I love the idea of beauty and viciousness and competitiveness and bitchiness and meanness and yet it's so gloriously beautiful well yeah like abby's immediate like response to her back in the diner when when ruby's like you know you know jesse was there with jack today and and sarah's like she's been in town for like a minute like she's so (laughs) angry yeah that she just got here yeah because it's like you can just see like that i put in my fucking time with you people like mm-hmm. i take Gigi to her goddamn jobs <laughs> and just like just so angry before they're both like so freaked out about like what that you know apparently jack says she's gonna be this big star and R- roxana just incredibly perfectly assessing that ruby is definitely that mom who lets you know that your friends are better and prettier than you are with like an like a ab- emotionally abusive relationship with her daughters yeah right <laughs> there is so again why can't you be skinny like britney why can't right. you dress like jessica why can't you be better yeah i mean like <laughs> there is just so much internalized loathing yes. throughout this movie and i think it is very smart and very dark for the first time somebody seems like actually fully at ease with themselves for it to be when you're gulping down somebody else's eyeball yeah but but i love that the end of that and then the transition into the end credits of like i don't even know how to describe it we've had such a strong sense of well as reffin said he then he shot a perfume commercial for the credit right (laughs) and that's exactly the vibe that it gives oh yeah and what i couldn't figure out and what i still don't know if i really have an answer for is it just reffin being like okay so like we have a couple minutes for you to be like beautiful and like wandering in the desert and this is like a wry commentary on how we present beauty in the modern age or is it like a representation of like the loneliness and eternity that now comes with being 
approved by the neon demon. Like, I never figured out if we're supposed to take it as, like, a real continuation narratively, mm-hmm. or if it's just something that also happens to just be like, look at how beautiful this is. No, I, I like think it's all of the of above. Eternity. Yeah, I, okay. Think, yeah. I, okay. I, I like the idea of eternity, and I think it's very worth noting, like, that when he says, like, and then I went and shot a perfume commercial, and he says in that, in that bit, too, that, like, and then, you know, you, I go out and I shoot what's basically, like, a perfume commercial in the desert, and it affects, he's like, and then it kind of makes the movie its own brand. So it's like he's ending the movie with a commercial mm. and like like folding like an editor an, an advertorial into the ending narrative of this movie. About like and like we said, like the, the the neon demon opening like title card where it says NWR at the bottom and it looks like like the YSL logo. Mm. And like William pointing out in that episode that like that like it almost like heightens the artificiality of everything that you're about to see. So I think yeah. it's, it's all it is. I think it's all of the above. It's all of the above. And then it's also, um, as far as following the narrative, we get to see that Sarah, um, because we've seen, like, editorial uh, photo shoots. We've seen catwalks. Mm -hmm. Um, Sarah has now made it into um, commercials, like actual commercials, which is a huge royalty royalty thing, Um, a big step up for models. Um, And as we know, Abby Lee herself, coming from the model industry, becoming an actor who's talent is unsurpassed um, <laughs> just absolutely <laughs> fucking singular she's so good um just that that whole progression of of uh where do you go next after you have had this encounter with the neon demon yeah what is that ascension mm-hmm. um and it's just that your your royalties get bigger your product gets bigger whatever project you're working on pays a lot more um you're seen by more so it's it's definitely narratively showing you know sarah making it Mm -hmm. um and i really i really like that it gives us sarah like that we don't see her face like he's got abby lee and he's like i'm just gonna show you her hair and her back and leather jacket (laughs) right and i like that we don't see her experiencing the adoration of others we see her alone we see her singular yeah because this is a lonely life like to be to be the one at the top is to be the one that everybody's coming for. And to be the the one who has the thing nothing no one else has means you are set apart from everybody else in like the common uniting human experience. I like the final shot being something in isolation where when we see this character who wants to be seen desperately and wants to be noticed and 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 wants to feel full in that way that the last thing we see her do is to go be by herself in like the vast expanse of nature mm-hmm. because I would imagine once you have that power she's no longer desperately seeking those things because those right. things will come to her right. without right. her even asking right and so then we just see her like you said in sort of this like in this infinity which mm-hmm. I love well and it's so refin I mean has and, any yeah. like has any refin movie really argued for the collective experience (laughs) (laughs) right i mean that's true that's very true yeah like refin is and we talked about this i think in the very beginning like refin is interested in like the inherent solitude of being alive yeah and i think like he is so enthralled by these characters who for whatever reason cannot fit into the rest 
of the world. Mm -hmm. And so I like that he has extended that same quality to like a female protagonist, right? Because we have it in like everybody else. Like we have it in Mads, we have it in Bronson, we have it in Drive, we have it in Only God Forgives. Like this is very much like Ruffin's MO. And I do like that he found a way to twist that and give it sort of a unsexual mm-hmm. <laughs> but feminine representation in yeah. this film. And it too, there's there's a again the, the commentary starts delivering in this phase where like when they're talking about Jack back at the house, mm-hmm. um, Elle says something about like you you that could have been you you could have played that part like you you could have been Jack, and he like says something about like acknowledging that like yeah he could have been and he was like. So, Nick, you could have played this part. I could have played this part, yeah. Well, I guess every part. Well, you were like, you were playing me as, as a 16-year-old mm-hmm. girl. I mean, I'm everywhere. <laughs> it's exactly why I say, like, this is, I, I really do think that Ruffin uses his films as drag for him mm-hmm. to yeah. be able to explore these other situations or other personalities, personality traits that uh-huh. he doesn't get to delve into in his real life. Um, he definitely is like, you know, what would Reffin be like as a 16-year-old girl? He would yes. be seeking the neon demon. He would be <laughs> <Yes>. like wanting, <laughs> yes. wanting all of the attention, wanting, you know, it's exactly what it is. And if he wasn't, if he wasn't a Jesse, would he be a Ruby being like, I'm going to do whatever I can to get close to this, which is right. kind of like, what this movie is like it's yeah his move toward getting as close to this like as we mentioned before and he says in the the commentary as well like i realized that like i wasn't born beautiful and my wife was and so i wanted to make a movie about that like he had to make an entire movie to process his coming to self-awareness that he wasn't as pretty as his wife and he's like (laughs) fuck i've got to work through that yeah it all started with her I woke up one morning and I realized I wasn't born beautiful, but she was, and I decided to make a horror movie about it. I do also think it's, I love that explanation because it's like, Refn is not unattractive. No. But we put so much currency on being the right kind of beautiful. The right kind. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah the right kind of Because even between Gigi and or... Sarah, one is the right kind. Yeah. And one is not. Exactly. Well, between like all three of them, between Jesse is the right them. kind. Gigi is not, and Sarah will fucking eat someone to be it. Yeah, <laughs> she'll eat the right kind. Yeah, she yeah. will eat the right kind. Yeah, yeah. No, I do. I do love all of those like minute differences and details. And of course, we see it like all throughout, especially at the Gosi, where it's like, oh yeah, these are mostly all the same kind of person. Yeah. And yet, somehow we are going to assign positive or negative aesthetic value upon them. Yep. Yeah. 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 At at the time of this recording, a a popular thing on social media is uh the Bama Rush oh, uh, yeah. pledge season on TikTok. I'm obsessed. Oh. And I'm obsessed. And mm. all of these these are all my spoiled daughters. And mm. um I, I, we are not surprised, I don't think. No, but like, it's, not it's really. Inter- yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's, there's, it's interesting, it's so fascinating seeing, like, especially, like, sort of in the heart of the South, in, in SEC territory, University of Alabama, we see all these girls rushing for sororities, 
And one of them even posts at one point, like there's there's one TikTok from a young girl who's like me looking for my blonde roommate at, during Bama Rush. And she just like pans the camera out over a bunch of girls like moving around Greek Row. And like she gets it. Like the guy, it's like they're li- like you look at it's like, oh, my God, like, sorry, good luck. You're never going to find it. Like there is so like and with the filters that we use, like the filters that are provided for us on on social media apps, like they are they exist because we have settled upon in this like influencer era that the influencer face the kind of like multinational global racial hybrid that you can face tune yourself into because we have agreed a certain kind of sculpted face is the pinnacle of beautiful mm-hmm. and at a certain point everybody starts looking kind of like the same person because Mm -hmm. they're all smudging and pinching themselves in the exact same way so it's fascinating to see the aspiration toward that assimilative tendency like the aspiration to like stand out spiritually but physically (laughs) to be the one who is the best among a set of equal a set of physical copies Right. Like it, it's yeah. it's very like because even with like um, uh, in the palette of of L Bella Abby you have extraordinarily beautiful women who are all sort of part of the same archetype right lithe blonde tall thin like puff you know puffed in the right places and then tiny in the others like it is it is a part of the same color wheel and it is fascinating to see and like we see in the slaughterhouse and the ghosty scene it, they're all kind of a shade of the same thing so this idea of like eating somebody to be the best of your sort of exact contemporary mold it's an it, to me a very interesting like motivating factor to be so intensely competitive with a person to not differentiate yourself from them but to just be like the best version of them right and i think it's like sarah has decided through however many years of rejection, that she's not going to get there as her. Yeah. Right? So it's like, she stopped being her. She's going to be somebody else. And I think that in and of itself is such an observation of like all of our forward facing (laughs) entertainment fields. Yeah. Right. It is. It is very difficult to break into it as yourself. Yes. It's easier to mimic somebody else. Um, and just in terms of like the look, um, mm-hmm. it's, it reminds me of like Gia Tolentino's Instagram face where right, like, yeah, exactly. everybody begins having the same face and how, do yeah, we... she, she visited multiple, like she plastic came out surgeons. to Beverly Hills, visited yep. multiple in-demand plastic surgeons and was like, yep. what do people tell you to do? Like, what's the most popular thing? And, and she like there was a common thread among mm-hmm. any of the physicians she talked to about the kinds of things that every person comes in and wants to be the kind of jaw, the kind of nose, the kind of cheekbones. It was yeah. like, it was like, a, it was like, I think it was like a indigenous, almost like cheekbone pattern with like a like Persian, like mm-hmm. Middle Eastern set of eye. Like it was like, it, he could like, she was getting pinpointed like, ethnic bases for each part of the face that people have wanted to hybridize into being the perfect face yeah it's all just so wild oh (sighs) yeah and just like how fundamentally western 
that idea yeah. is. I mean, like, we don't talk about it because, like, Neon Demon is what it is. But it also is just such a commentary on, like, yes. whiteness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually you know? just sitting here thinking, no, like, what would a, what would a, you know how, like, every now and then we'll get, like, the all-black remake of something? Yeah. And right. I was just sitting here thinking, like, what would the all-black remake of Neon Demon even be? It would be totally yeah. different. It would yeah. be absolutely different because this movie is so white, like you said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah, like... what is this movie if Jodie Smith-Turner is, is Abby Lee? <laughs> right. Like, we right. move her from the desk at Christina <laughs> Hendricks' office right. to be Abby Lee. Right. Well, I think we could, like, dream cast that now. I mean, I feel like Yara Shahidi would be Jesse. That's a very good point. Yeah. Physically, spiritually. Yeah, we could absolutely cast this right now and there is is something to be said too about how like it is a wider discussion of like what we value and prioritize and like but um but i yeah i you know whatever give me all the different versions of neon demon i don't care if it could just be assign this out assign this out to a dozen different filmmakers from everywhere and be like make neon demon i Put me in front of the line for every single fucking one of those movies. Yes. Yes. Give me South Korea Neon Demon. Give me Ooh, yes. give me Hong Kong Neon Demon. <laughs> oh, this me, would all be so India. interesting. Give me Desi Neon Demon. Like, please. Mm-hmm. I want to know all of the I want to know all of the differences and shades of nuance. Like, oh, because because like this so aesthetic is so much story. So story is so much aesthetic for Refn. Like the idea too of each, and like you know, like a Barry Jenkins. What does a Barry Jenkins, somebody who's like so tied to like his sort of aesthetic identity, look right. like making a neon demon? But like I like it is it is this is this is whiteness. At, it feels like at its <laughs> at its absolute best worst. Best yeah. worst. Best worst. Yeah, and just like the icy sterilness is also just so rough and so it is you know it's one and of those so movies, white so and white so yeah. white yeah and like it, yeah. antiseptic antiseptic beauty to yeah. me uh, is something I, I i align with as a white person with whiteness like the idea of like an absence of culture like mm-hmm. feels yeah. like a you know, sort of hallmark of whiteness and it's just yeah like it is I, it, 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 there's a, one of my favorite things about the commentary is something he says in this where he like I think it's like people stop talking it's like somebody says something and then there's nobody no words and he goes I like pauses between lines of dialogue it's like I don't think you needed to tell us that right ref and we know yeah. that yeah <laughs> goodness <laughs> yeah I think we I think we vibe with you on that one and this like you know he he says too at one point he was like you know I just love the idea of like like beauty and meanness and cruelty and like it's like yeah i feel like you're just like you're describing the stereotypical worst group of white women like who are hot like that is that seems you're like i just love this idea of it's like it's not an idea it's a real thing and you're just like making the most fantasy version of it right yeah this is definitely a mean girls movie yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, and and you know what? It is. It would be a truly hilarious doubleheader with Mean Girls. That is something that I would do. Absolutely, you know, Absolutely. that is something I would do on like a rainy Sunday. I'd be like, let me look at these two extreme observations on how women 
associate with and also despise each other. Like, let's just do it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> why not? Yeah, let's do it. Oh God, we've made it. We've made it to the end. We've um, made it. Yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna keep tagging Jenna Malone. Right. And, like and every episode I put up. And I'm gonna be like, Jenna, you're always you're always welcome. Always yeah, in her we, heart. We can always we can always do an epilogue if she wants to come join us. Absolutely. I'm up for that. Yeah. Yes. No, I will I will keep tagging her. I will keep doing that. Ladies and gentlemen, if we haven't secured uh, a Jenna Malone episode by this moment, you can trust that I haven't given up hope yet. So <laughs> You know, we'll just keep, I'll just keep waging a light Twitter campaign. But we have, I, this is, this is exactly, all of this has been exactly what, like, it has been, like, better than, but, like, it is exactly as rich as I hoped. A long, expansive, continuing conversation about Neon Demon would be. This has been the fucking best. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh, that's the end of it. Um... Until we until we get talent to come on and do bonus episodes with us, uh, that is the conclusion of the the formal scene uh, deep dive scene a- analysis run of the Neon Demon Pod. Uh, William and Roxana, thank let, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks to us all. Yes, yeah, we all did a good job. <laughs> we all did a good job. None of us will need to eat each other. And no, no, yeah, and no. we're good. I would never. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, thank you, William. That's really sweet. <laughs> yes, and uh, you know, to all of you out there, never forget: beauty isn't everything; it's the only thing. It's true. It's true. I don't want to be them. want to be me.